0: We'll read Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 16 through 21. The precious, inerrant, infallible word of God says this. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled In your hearing. First Baptist Church of Grey Gables, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Let's go to him and thank him for his word this morning. Our Lord, we are grateful that you sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Father, we ask now that you would hear us as we cry out to you through uh, your holy word and through uh, your Holy Spirit, that you would do a holy work into our hearts. Father, how desperately. We need to hear from you this morning. How desperately we need our hearts to be open to you this morning. We need to be searched, Father, instructed, encouraged, and empowered for all these graces which can only come to us through your Holy Spirit. We lift up our hearts asking that you might hear and answer our prayers. We make it in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, this is actually what I would consider to be our third priority of the theme of, the, of this year. Right? In, our, in our worship up, we defined worship in this way. If you remember that series in January, which I don't remember much of what happened in January. But uh, if you remember that series in January, we defined worshiping up as this way. We define worship as communion with God in which believers by grace center their minds' attention and hearts' affection on the Lord, humbly glorifying Him in response to His greatness and His word. We unpacked all the beauty that is found in worship as a response from God's people, an engagement in fellowship with Him in response to His own revelation of Himself to us. Then, if you remember in March, we looked at worshiping in and part of the uh, the part that uh, church membership plays in our worship together. Remember that text from 1 Corinthians 12 27 that we examined over and over and over again? It is, You are Christ's body and individually members of it. That you collectively are the body of Christ and that you individually are a member of the body of Christ. And so all of us are part of that body, and so it's vital for us to worship together and serving one another and loving one another and loving Christ and being corporately together. Well, again as we said today, we're looking at worshiping out. This is look at looking examining worship that's kind of beyond ourselves, but in the context of a lost and dying world under the dominion of Satan to to be the Lord's agents to bring his chosen people into union with Christ and into his body, the church. So friends, this is a vitally important aspect of worship. You, you just can't pick one aspect of worship. In fact, all of these go together. However, I think there's a natural priority that, that we start with worshiping up, we start with who God is, how he 's revealed himself to us, and how we respond in communion and fellowship with them, and then the next priority would be that we link ourselves, we unify ourselves with His body, the local church, that we 're part of a membership, we 're part of a family that comes together, we belong somewhere that comes together to do the work of the Lord. and then once that happens, once we understand worship, who the God is, we engage with Him. We're part of his body. Now, naturally, the next sort of outflow is that we would go into the world and begin sharing the gospel of Christ. It's only then that we understand the importance of worshiping out. In our worshiping out, we're proclaiming the good news so that people will respond and be brought to saving faith in Jesus. That's the goal, isn't it? To be brought into the body of Christ, to be brought into the kingdom of God. So, so what I want to start with is just understanding some terminology. That's the, the first of uh, kind of five aspects, really just uh, understanding sort of this idea of worshiping out. I want to understand some terminology just so you can know the words we're using here. First of all, the word evangelism. When I say evangelism, does that bring a shudder down your spine? that scare you a little bit? Oh no, not evangelism. But really, it's a, it's a really good word. I want you to understand it. Evangelism is not a word that's used in the New Testament, but the concept of, of evangel is, is core to the New and Old Testament. The evangel, if we go back to the root, it's really two Greek words, which we transliterate as you and on angle, right? Uh, you means well. When you go to a funeral, somebody gives the Eulogy, right? You've been to one of these, and a eulogy. Uh, the word logi, logos, is the 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 word for word, and you is is well. It's it's a good word. It's a well spoken word. You're bringing a good word about the departed as you once remembered, and and you reflect upon them. Well, uh, the word for evangelism is is the good message, uh, evangelon. Uh, the the angel part, the angel part, is the message because what were the angels? They're they're specifically the messengers of God. The angel of the Lord who came to bring news of the coming Messiah to Joseph. It was the angel Gabriel who brought the good news of the incarnate deity to Mary. And so angels were God's messengers. And, And that word, angel, means message. So you put them together and you get the good message or the good news. And that's what the evangel is. It is translated gospel If you go back to the Old English, the word gospel itself goes from from two words, good spell. Uh, A spell, not in the sense of, of sort of witchcraft, but spell in the sense of a story, a narrative, or a message. And so the gospel really is the English form of evangel. It is the good message, the good news, the good report that's being brought to us. So we find evangelism is proclaiming the good news it's it's proclaiming the good news about jesus christ the great messianic king and what he's done by bringing people into his kingdom now listen usually when we talk about evangelism we're thinking about bringing the gospel to people who are near to us okay that's what evangelism is we bring the message to those people who are near us it's what we call personal evangelism right but then in distinction of that, we often have another term that's missions. Missions is the effort to do evangelism to people who are far away from us. And so we, we then add the term foreign missions, right? And we understand that, that that's cross-cultural, even though sometimes you don't really have to go very far geographically to do cross-cultural missions. There is a difference in bringing the gospel to the people of Callahan, Florida and Nassau County than if we go 20 miles into the inner city of Jacksonville, we may find ourselves among some cultural barriers or cultural differences that have to be crossed in order to bring the gospel to them. Well, in our denomination, we have two big mission agencies who are responsible for that. We have missions in North America, North America Mission Board, which is sort sort of our nearer neighbors to bring the gospel to them and then we have the missions to the world and the international mission board and it's the more cross cultural where we cross language barriers and cultural barriers where we bring the gospel to those who are far away from us so evangelism and missions they are both aspects of worship or dimensions of worship so understanding terms there is important we worship in effort to bring people good news that people need to hear to be brought to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's our understanding of terms, what the word evangelism is and how missions plays a part of that. But I want to look next at at the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus himself is actually the great model of evangelism. He is the great evangelist as, as well as we could say he's the greatest model of a missionary too. Because in the passage before us, I want to remind you what Jesus himself said. The context is he just so happened in the lectionary readings in the Old Testament on the Sabbath. Jesus was in the synagogue here in Nazareth and he was reading what Brother Jud read for us, Isaiah 61. In Isaiah sixty-one, this is what the passage says. In, in Luke verse nineteen, he says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon, or Luke eighteen, he says, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord." Now Jesus read that reading because that was appointed on the Sabbath, and then. After he read that reading, the Bible says that he sat down because that's what they did. In our liturgy, our ecclesiastical setting, we we sit down and we stand up to preach. But in the synagogue, they stood up to read and then they sat down to preach. What Jesus said when he sat down is a simple, really easy sermon, probably loved by many because it was short. He said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's kind of a boss thing to do, right? That's a, because Jesus is king, that's a, he can do that. To stand up and read the text and then sit down, here's my servant. It's about me. Yeah, that, that's, it's been fulfilled now in your hearing. I, I am completing this. Now, when he said that, what he's doing, if you don't understand, is he's claiming to be the one that Isaiah 700 years before predicted would be anointed by the Spirit of God to be the Messiah, the anointed one, because that's what Christ the Messiah means, the anointed one. He is anointed now, and he has been given the anointing power of the Holy Spirit so that he may preach, so that he may proclaim, so that he may deliver, get this, the good message. That he may proclaim the good news to the poor. And in the effect of the good news to the poor, it is the effect to release them from the captives. It is, in fact, to give sight to the blind, it is to bring freedom to those who are afflicted or oppressed. This is the proclamation of the year of favor of Yahweh, God Almighty. His son is now in this ministry appointed to come and bring the good news of what God is doing to deliver a people. The root of Jesse has liberate, liberated us from the tyranny of Satan's dominion. He brings us out of darkness and death and, and Satan's dominion. He brings us into life into his very own kingdom, his very own family. Jesus came then as the evangelist to deliver the good news. But but there's something else, there's another aspect we have to consider here. Because when we think about what the gospel tells us about the good news that Jesus proclaimed, we must take into account the context of the kingdom of God. We think about this all the time. We talk about biblical theology, about how the story of the gospel, is the story of the Bible is one long thread with Jesus at the center. And it's a thread about him and coming and bringing and proclaiming his kingdom. We have to understand that. You see, when sometimes when we think about evangelism, we get stuck and and we think that evangelism is just what you do to get people saved. And so that they don't go to hell when they die, but they go to heaven instead when they die. Now, Now listen, evangelism certainly is not less than that, but it is so much more than that. The fact that Jesus has now come to proclaim the good news, the gospel, but he does it in the context of God's kingdom, God's rule, his reign on the earth. I want to think about some passages from the gospels where we see this play out. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, because it says what Jesus came to do. In Mark 1, 14 and 15, the Bible says, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He came heralding, proclaiming the gospel of good news of God, saying the time is fulfilled. History in its pregnancy has given birth and deliverance to the Redeemer. The kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, repent and believe in the gospel of of good news. Again in Luke chapter four in our text, later on this chapter, the Son was sent to proclaim the good news of God. Look at Luke four forty two, all the way down uh, in the end of your chapter, almost towards Luke Chapter five. He says, When they came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him, and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. Now why would that be the case? Well." remember they've experienced his healing power here and and now they want him to stay they don't want Jesus to leave but look what his response is to them in verse 43 but he said to them I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also for I was sent for this purpose See, friends, as as important as it was to be an agent of mercy and bring healing to people, Jesus says, that's not the main reason I was sent here. I was sent to preach the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is of the essence of a sound understanding of the gospel. Then, Then lastly, this is in the end of the Olivet Discourse. This is before the crucifixion, as he's explaining to them, of the destruction of Jerusalem that's coming, look at what he says in Matthew twenty four fourteen. In case you didn't get it in Luke, in case you didn't get it in Mark, he says in Matthew, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. By the way, I love that for those of you who um, love eschatology, right, love the study of end times for many people who want to proclaim that Jesus is returning at a certain date. You tell those people who want to say, Jesus is coming back this and this date, you say, oh, you, you better go preach the gospel to all the nations because he's not coming back until that happens. You, you better go share the gospel. And As long as we have an unreached people group, I don't think the Lord's returning because of this verse right here. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached where? In the whole world, as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And what is the gospel of the kingdom? It's the good news of the kingdom, it's the wonderful message of the kingdom of God. Now it's come in and through the person and work of the messianic king Jesus. That message will be proclaimed to the whole world, a testimony to all nations because he is the ruler of all the nations and the message of his redemptive work needs to be brought to all the nations as his kingdom advances throughout the world aren't you glad to be part of a church that's about reaching the nations as well I'm so encouraged, even this week, thinking about evangelism and what Brother Justin is doing right now in India as he's training pastors to be able to train those and share with those in India the message of the kingdom. Now, I think it's important for us to understand one particular thing about the message, and that is, what is it? In sharing the gospel, this is vital, you have to understand what the message is before you're able to understand how to share it. Because it's essential, of vital importance, that we understand this question. What is the message of the kingdom? And I hope you could, you could tell me. I hope you could, but sometimes we just have difficulty getting the right words out about the message of the kingdom. Well, I hope this helps you. Because if you go wrong here, if you misunderstand what the message is, That friends, you're not going to be an evangelist. You are not going to be bringing authorized good news. You're not going to be bringing authentic, real good news. Because the good news is what God has done through Jesus Christ. How the Father sends the Son now into the world to become one of us. Friends, believe it or not, it's almost the end of September and Christmas is right around the corner three months away, and and we will begin probably at some point in time to marvel at the gift of the incarnation, right? That God wrapped himself in a human nature, the eternal word of God, the second person of the Trinity, wrapped himself in human nature in the womb of the Virgin Mary and is birthed into human civilization. That is astounding to me. We should never be able to get over the incarnation, and I hope we never do. God becomes a man to dwell among us, to be our redeemer, to live the kind of life that every one of us ought to live, but that none of us can or will live. Then that fits and equips him, it qualifies him to go to the cross as both the priest and the sacrifice to deliver himself up on the cross. The only true innocent human being who has ever lived for any length of time, he took the wrath of God that is due for our sins. He takes our sins, our guilt upon himself as our substitute, as our vicarious sacrifice. He takes our place. We ought to be on the cross. We ought to be experiencing the wrath of God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The abandonment of God, which is what hell is all about, right? That is the curse of God being finally rejected by him. Jesus is doing that not for his sin, but for our sin. So that God then will be able to grant us forgiveness. The Bible says, apart from the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without Jesus' atoning sacrifice, there could be no forgiven sins. That means that there could be no forgiven sinners and we would all die and go to hell when we die. But... He came to do this for us by his life, his death and resurrection on the third day, alive again from the dead. Then he's raised to the right hand of the Father as the King of glory forever and ever, the glorified God-man to be fully God and fully man and glorified humanity forever and ever as our representative there at the right hand of God. What the message of salvation is, is that this is the good news. This is what God has done for us that he came he lived he died he was buried he rose again now he sits at the right hand of the father to take our sins upon himself and to give us his right standing and his righteousness all that is left for us to do is receive by grace through faith turning from our sin turning from our self-righteousness and turning towards christ in his righteousness that forgiveness of sin comes through his shedding of blood on our behalf See, that's why he says in the Gospel of Mark, we'll look at that verse again now. That's why he says that. Did you hear it? The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven of God is at hand. So what do you do? It's now here. It's in our presence. The kingdom of God is here because the king himself is here. So what do you do? You repent and believe in the good news. You repent, you turn away from your sins, from yourself as king, declaring Christ as king, and you believe in the message of who he is and what he has come to do. You see that? Then, through that the grace of the Holy Spirit working your heart, he brings you into the kingdom of God as He regenerates, as as we're reborn. He gives us a new life, He gives us a new heart. We come to faith in him and we are brought into the kingdom of God. The gospel brings us then under his lordship into his kingdom. The kingdom of life and light in Christ Jesus. Friends, that is the good news. The good news doesn't have anything directly to do with the kind of service that you render in the church. We have have looked and seen that, that certainly we ought to render service in the church. But the message is not that if you render service, you will be right with God and he will love and accept you. That's not it. You can render all the service in the world, but if you've not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it will do you no good. It will be your effort to get yourself to heaven. And what grace teaches us is that we must abandon all effort to get ourselves into the kingdom of God. We come empty-handed simply to the cross I cling Jesus. We don't bring anything with us that we would somehow think would gain us favor with God. Because if God gave us what we deserve, friends, family, church, we would all die and go to hell. It is purely of grace. It is the heart that comes and says, yes, I will turn away from unrighteousness and self-righteousness. I receive and rest in Christ alone for the forgiveness of my sins. Then to bring me into his kingdom, to be subject to him, not only as my Savior, but as my good and gracious Lord. Not only the priest but also the king who rules the whole entire cosmos. And now I'm subjecting myself, not in order to be saved, but because I have been saved. Out of joyful gratitude for what he has done for me and what his spirit has done to me, I now come to him, I trust in him, I give myself to him. See, there is one sense in which salvation costs you nothing. He paid it all. It is finished, he says on the cross, nothing else for you to do except receive me by grace through faith. Just a naked embrace of faith. But when you really do come to him by faith, then friends, it costs you everything to be his disciple. Because you are making a whole, soul, life-wide commitment to him as your Lord. He says, why do you call me Lord and not do the things I tell you to do? He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is, you will live under my lordship. And so, this is the message by which the kingdom of God is advanced on the earth. The good news of what God has done to save sinners by his grace alone and for his glory alone. Have you received the message? Have you heard the good news? Have you responded to the good news with repenting that turns away from every self-confidence, every other hope, and turns to Christ committing to Him as your Savior and as your Lord? Friends, we we are in desperate need at all times for some good news in our life, aren't we? We look for it on the television. We look for it on a local scale, on a national scale, on a political party scale, on a medical scale. We are always looking for good news. But I've got to tell you something, friends. Your purpose in this world is not to be a receiver of good news for your nation to be receiver of good news for your local community, to be receiver of good news for your political party, to be receiver of good news from your doctor, you are to be receiver of good news, the ultimate good news of Christ coming to die for sinners, and then you are to be a bringer of good news to the lost and dying world. We are always in desperate need of good news, but we've got it as the people of God we've got we've got the best news there ever could be to ever hear go bring it to somebody don't sit around and wait for it to come to you you've got the good news of the gospel friends share it and share it mightily with a lost and dying world because that's the only way they'll be able to hear the good news oh how we need to hear this friends we have to get this message right This is the message we must tell the world because if we get the message wrong, if we tell people that they can be saved by works or even if we tell people that they can be saved by faith but they also need works, we are distorting the message. And Paul says that is to bring down wrath and the curse of God on you. Paul says, I don't even care if an angel comes, if they bring to you any other message than this message, let them be, strong word here, damned let them be accursed why because if you bring some substitute message some truncated message then you do not bring them the message that contains life and truth so we must be clear about the gospel and we must publish the gospel so that people can hear and be saved now having said that if we're going to be an evangelist like jesus then we also need to see the place of deeds and work in evangelism. This is the last one for the day. If we're going to be evangelists like Jesus, we also need to see the place of deeds and works in evangelism. Think about the ministry of Jesus for a second. Let's look at a couple of texts here. Matthew four twenty three says this. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. So he's proclaiming the message... The good news, the gospel of the kingdom, but you see how conjoined there with the ministry of the word is his ministry of works. Because remember, the purpose of those messianic works in those times was to authenticate the messianic message, the messianic messenger. Now, Now listen, let's be clear. We've been clear about this. We've hit this over and over again. You and I don't have the same call to accomplish miracles like Jesus did. But friends and family, I feel like we've gone the complete opposite way of this. It does not mean that there's no place for us to have works to go along with the word. Jesus brought the gospel in word and deed. The deed affirms that he was the Messiah, but the deeds were also acts of mercy and compassion by which he ministered to people, by which he met their needs. Because of the compassion of his heart. Friends, you and I ought to also, if we're going to have Christ-like evangelism, we need to also think about how the message and the works go together. How do word and works go together? They need to be uh, related to one another in tandem. I think this is one of the reasons we're given the officers in the church to be elders and deacons, right? Right? One is the office that's primarily on the word, but also does some works. And one is the office of works that also knows the word and shares the word. they work together. Jesus says this, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, how do they know to glorify your Father in heaven? Because we like to, we've said this before, we like to use that phrase, right? Share the gospel and, if necessary, use words. This verse doesn't mean that if you're just a really, really good person and you do really, really good things, that people are going to see you and what you do and then automatically somehow hear the gospel message. That's not it. That's not the case here. How will they know to glorify your Father in heaven? Because what's going to go along with the works? It's the word. The message of what made you be a doer of good works. See, if you let your light shine so that you may get the credit, so that you may get the glory, glory the Bible's clear on what you are. The Pharisee. That, that's what they did. They wanted people to look at them and what they were doing and bring glory to them. Jesus warns them about beware of practicing your righteousness before men in order to be seen by them. Beware of just religious image management. I just want people to think well of me. That's why I do good works. Friends, your focus is all wrong. Your focus is on your fallen, selfish nature. You want to be glorified in that instance. What Jesus says is that you let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works, but not glorify you, but to glorify your Father in heaven. And they won't know to do that unless you tell them about it. So implicitly, works go along with the word. And we got to take that to heart. See, they both go together. The priority is of the message because they have to hear and know about Jesus to bring glory to the Father as the redemption comes through Jesus. But they need to go together. Friends and family, you have an opportunity every day to show the love of Christ. You've got an opportunity after the service today to send resources even to those who are hurting under the name of Christ. Friends, this is why we do things like the cup ministry here. The goal of all these things is not just to help. It, it is to help. It's, it's no less than to help others, but more than anything, it's all with a desire for these people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's the real help. That's the real healing, coming to faith in Christ. Friends, the, the next point is how the Apostle Paul models for us healthy Christ-like outreach. Because Paul says, follow me even as I follow Christ. And there are some very important principles that are embodied that we extract from the many things Paul uh, writes that can be vitally important for us to do healthy evangelism as we worship out into the culture, as we do missions. But you'll have to come back next Sunday for that because I'm I'm stopping now. But I want to not have us to fail to embrace what Jesus is telling us here. It is the importance of the gospel and if we're going to be like Christ which is every believer's charge we are going to have a burden to reach people with the gospel. So the simple question I have to you is do you have a burden to reach people for the gospel? If you're you're sitting here this morning and saying why do I need to know this Pastor Cody? You're you're the pastor. You're the one. To reach people with the gospel friends the call wasn't just given to pastors the call was given to disciples are you a disciple are you a follower of christ if then if that's the case then you are charged to bring the gospel to the last and dying world why did god send jesus he sent him to come and to proclaim the good news that he himself would fulfill and would enable He said to his disciples as the father has sent me so I send you. This is not just the apostles all the disciples. He has sent us to go reach people with the good news of Christ to the glory of God. And for the advancement of his kingdom on the earth. Right here in Callahan. Right here in Nassau County in northeast Florida. All to the far corners of the world. My prayer is that we would be a church that is evangelistic, who's mission-minded, that we would go and bring the message of this one Jesus to all the world for his sake. Let's pray together.